Hello and welcome to season one, episode three of the official Establish the Run podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. And today we are joined by one of our esteemed writers. This is a young man who has been in the fantasy football game for as long as I can remember. A young man who you can find on Shakedown Street getting out of line at fish shows. A young man who covers an incredibly important topic to fantasy football. It is, of course, Pat Thorman, formerly of Pro Football Focus, currently of Established the Run. Pat, what's going on, buddy? Not a heck of a lot. I'm just uh, coming off a couple of fish shows uh, myself this uh, this weekend. I'm coming up for air and I want to talk to you guys. I want to thank you again for bringing me on to Establish the Run. I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped and especially to work with the team that you guys got going there. And uh, I, it, was, it was cool to find out that uh, Andrew Riggins' uh, Maki Super Handle was actually a, a fish reference. So that was, uh, that was also an added bonus. Yeah, we have too many goddamn hippies on this on this team. Uh, Pat, aren't you a little bit too old to be going to back to back fish shows? Uh, definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> too old. <laughs> yeah, I went to the uh, I went to the Camden show uh, a couple Sundays ago, and it was fun. Uh, I would not have gone back the next night. You are uh, a stone animal. Um, the, uh, the first show was real chill. The second show we got. Uh, rained on pretty good on the way in and then they, they wouldn't let anybody out onto the field because there was so much lightning so getting uh crammed for over two hours with a uh, 90 degree weather with uh humid sweaty wookies is, is quite oh. the experience all right uh we're gonna we're, we're not gonna we're gonna try not to mess around as much on this established the run pilot even though i love to we're gonna try to stick to the to the football to the takes we know that's what the people love uh i think that people who are if you've ever made a projection for the NFL, you undoubtedly have encountered snaps and pace because um, as Drew Dinkmeyer taught me, uh, as almost everybody who makes a quality projection does, you start at the top with how many plays a team will run, and then you work back from there on how often they'll throw it, how often they'll pass it, and then what percentage of the time players uh, will be accounting for those throwing and those passing statistics. Um, so I think it's just such an underrated and important topic. I'm curious, though, how this became your specialty because it does seem like an odd thing for a fantasy football writer just to come out of the stone blue and be like, Oh, this, this is my thing. I'm going to be the snaps and pace guy. Well, I mean, I kind of, kind of fell into it. Um, my first season with PFF in 2013, they gave me the, uh, the snaps report, which was meant to be basically player X. If uh, he was on the field for this many snaps and, and next week he's on the field for this many snaps. And um, I thought it'd be more interesting to kind of take a, a more of a macro view of like on, on a team specific level and look at total snaps. And um, I, I just figured that might be a little more useful and, and other people weren't doing it. So I kind of went with that. And the pace part kind of came from, there was so much no huddle going on in 2013. It was like the first year that Chip Kelly was, was in Philly. Um, and you could tell that was going to be a success, at least to some degree right away. I mean, should be Riley Cooper relevant. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Peyton Manning was in Denver. He was doing a lot of no huddle. Um, Rogers was doing more. Brady was doing more than he does now. Even Joe Flacco was doing it. Um, and so they were, they were also running a lot more plays. And I, I figured it was, was kind of related to the fact that they were going at such a fast pace. Um, and in addition to running more plays themselves, they were giving up a lot of plays for the most part. So it would seem like it was kind of a kind of fertile ground for where we want to invest in fantasy. And it kind of just snowballed and it was something a lot of people liked. And, um, you and Evan were big supporters of it right off the bat. And so, uh, yeah, just it kind of became my thing. Um, and, uh, I'm happy it did at this point. Uh, yeah. And, and, Plays per game is not only important for projecting fantasy, but I mean, if you're trying to bet totals um, in the NFL, a huge way would be to see if you are projecting 
more plays for a team or less plays for a team um, than the market is projecting. I mean, that that is so, so, so uh, important, uh, specifically for fantasy, though. Why is it so important? I, I mean, we've seen some t- some guys on teams that play somewhat slow uh, overcome this. Why is it so important in the long run to be in on snaps and pace? Absolutely. I mean, like you, you can definitely overcome um, a slow pace and, and if, but with efficiency. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, opportunity is king, as they say, in fantasy football. And opportunity is easier to predict than efficiency is. I mean, efficiency is so tied to touchdown variance, um, which is which, like I said, is a lot harder to predict. And it's, it just sounds basic. But, you know, more plays often leads to more fantasy points. And uh, conversely, which is something we're also interested in, fewer plays, you know, lead to fewer fantasy points. It's a situation that we want to avoid. Uh, Scott Barrett had a good tweet about this recently, just showing like all the different, you know, correlations to PPR points. And snaps and, and roots were way up there. Um, so it's just, it's just something that, you know, it's really basic. And um, it, but it's something that, you know, everyone, like you said earlier, should, should just kind of start out with and, and always bear in mind. Uh, it seems to me that projecting how often a team will pass versus run is really important in this because obviously the clock stops on in- incompletions, continues to run on running plays. Is part of this projecting how often a team uh, will pass versus run. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coaching tendencies are are pretty much the biggest part of this. Whether it's how fast the the, the actual pace is, you know, how, how many seconds between plays, or you know, run pass ratio. Um, it's 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 you know it's enormous. You know, like like you said, it, run pass ratio is kind of almost like a barometer of how a coach wants to approach a game. Um, so while it doesn't correlate extremely highly um, with with fantasy points um, and plays, it's it just like another thing to keep an eye on. Um, so yeah, like I said, um, just keep an eye on those coaching tendencies and uh, snaps pace is actually the most highly correlated stat to play production. Uh, explain that last sentence. So pace, uh, basically, um, you know, how many seconds between plays or how often you get back mm-hmm. to the line and how quickly you want to snap the ball. Um, we typically use situation neutral pace to kind of cut some of the noise out um, you know, when the game gets out of hand. Um, so yeah, like I said, it just, it's it's the one thing that that really repeatedly shows up um, when you're looking for play production. Um, it, it's just you know how quickly a team runs their offense. Uh, let's talk about some coaches, and we're going to talk about some teams here in a minute. Uh, do any coaches stand out to you, maybe historically or or current or whoever, as just guys who love to play super fast, love to play super slow? I, I have some guys in mind, obviously, but uh, examples of guys in the past that have really you think. Uh, helped fantasy production or hurt fantasy production from their guys just by playing fast or slow. Yeah, well, I mean, Chip Kelly stands out, you know, from the past yeah. over over everybody. I mean, and like I said earlier, like not only does he um, help his own team run a lot of plays, score a lot of fantasy points, the other team was running a ton of plays as well. Um, Belichick and Josh McDaniels are are a couple of examples of of, of guys that are just kind of throughout. I guess, as long as you can remember, um, Kyle Shanahan's another one uh, who's who's kept a pretty good pace up. Um, mm-hmm. On the other side of the coin, uh, Adam Gase has just been, when he didn't have Peyton Manning in his back pocket, um, he's been super slow. Jason Garrett, obviously, the Cowboys are a great example of a team that's gone really slow. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, whatever the hell's been happening in Tennessee for, I can't even remember how long. That's that's another example. <laughs> uh, yeah. And man, and I was thinking of Brian Schottenheimer and the Seahawks, who obviously are, are um, kind of the laughing stock of the analytics community just because they're on team established the run so hard for those of you guys that don't know uh i i hope everybody realized by now that established the run is a joke 
Uh, we're not actually condoning anybody out there to establish the run. <laughs> you know what? I actually think that the that the name has worked because there's a lot of people who know that we're joking. They think that it's good. And then all the people out there who are like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, you want to establish the run. They, they like the name also, you know? So, like, nobody thinks that it's a dumb name. The, the people who are in tune with what's going on and the people who who actually think you should be establishing the run both think it's a good get- name. You know what I mean? winning hearts and minds you know, on both sides of the <laughs> yeah, that's what i'm saying we can't we can't lose it's actually been i was a little worried about it at, at the name at first but actually now that uh we're kind of off and running i actually i really like the name okay uh anyways um all right this is complicated too because when you're projecting pace let's say a team gets out to a 17 nothing lead the rest of the way they're really likely to play slower than maybe we originally projected so i could see how some of these projections for uh how fast the game will be or how slow game we could go bad based on uh, unexpected game flows how are we incorporating that are we using uh market data based on the lines uh, how are we incorporating uh how a game will go into snaps and pace yeah i, I mean absolutely that that's that's an enormous factor and, and just just you know for the reasons that you just said um and and like i said earlier you know we kind of want to control for game script a little bit by using you know situation neutral uh, pace and, and situation neutral pass percentage. Um, but, you know, and, and just to project the game flow on, on that side, like, I mean, it's easier said than done. Um, you know, if it was easy, we'd be, you know, printing money instead of, you know, you know, playing fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. but like, obviously, you know, like you mentioned, you can use the lines, you know, kind of on the extreme. So if you got a, a team with a, a, that's a 10 point favorite, they're going to most likely be able to dictate, you know, how fast or slow they want to play and, and vice versa. If, you know, the team's down or teams projected to be down by a lot, um, most likely they're not going to be able to use their, their style. Um, you know, of, of course, you know, we can do everything right and, and, you know, variance can still kind of bite us in the ass. You know, if, if our guy's team, you know, scores a defensive touchdown and next thing you know, you know they're up 17 points, you know, we're not going to get what we expected. All right. Let's give the people what we want here, Pat. We, we dilly dally long enough. They want to hear the takes for this upcoming season. Who's going to play fast? Who's going to play slow? There could be a really wide range, especially if you're playing season long. I mean, imagine one team running uh, 200 more plays than another team over the course of the season. Think about how much that could add up uh, to production. So let's start with the easy one. I mean, this is the obvious lay of going from Mike McCoy to Cliff Kingsbury. I couldn't fathom a bigger difference in projected snaps. We had uh, Cliff Kingsbury out here talking about he wants to run 85 to 90 plays. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but I'm sure Mike McCoy would prefer to establish the run and run 55 to 60 plays in a game. Um, tell me where your outlook is on the Cardinals in terms of last year versus this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to fight city hall on this one. Like, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> they're going to have an enormous jump. I mean, last year was like 56, 57 plays a game. You know, they were second to last in the league. And even the year before when they weren't even that great, they ran the fifth most plays at 66. Uh, and like you said, you know, 90 plus plays is, 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 is aggressive and it's not going to happen, but you know, you kind of like their style. Even if they get mm-hmm. into 70 plays a game, that's, you know, super rare. Um, you know, how much no huddle they're going to run. I know they're supposed to run a lot of no huddle, but I mean, that, that might be an adjustment at least to start, but I mean, you're coming at it from two angles. You're going to run at a faster pace and the offense is going to be better. You know, like last year, they weren't even that slow of a pace team. They were in the middle of the pack. You know, they were like 18th or so in situation neutral snaps pace. They just sucked. So they didn't run a lot of plays because their offense was bad. So you're going to have an improved offense with improved personnel running at a faster pace. It's like, there's no way they're not going to run more plays. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good point that you made about if you suck. I mean, if you're going three and out all the time, like it doesn't matter how fast you play. You're not going to run a lot of plays because you're constantly punting and your defense is on the field the whole time. So I, I'm a little bit lower than I think the market is on how 
uh, efficient this Cardinals offense will be right out of the gate. I think they're going to try to play four wide shotgun on every play and play really fast. I think that they're going to go three and out uh, maybe more than other people do. And that might lead to less to fewer plays. Like, I don't think they're going to be among the league leaders uh, in plays run just because they won't have the ball enough because they won't be that good on offense. You know what I mean? And, and defense factors in as well. Like if, if you have a really shitty defense, then you're going to, you know, you're going to be in shootouts. You're going to be trying to catch up. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, like the Bucks, you're going to be running a lot of plays. Or if you have a really good defense, the defense is going to get you the ball back a lot. So you're going to run a lot of plays. So, I mean, I, that, that, that's also going to weigh in on how, on how good they are as well. All right, let's talk about the Jets, because this is a really interesting one. There's very few running backs in the league, I think, who we can actually project for a three-down plus goal line role. I think one of those is Le'Veon Bell. However, Adam Gase, since, uh, as you mentioned at the top, not having Peyton Manning, has played at a wildly slow pace. Um, What do you expect out of Adam Gase in New York? Um, because I, I, I want to be higher on Le'Veon Bell than I think the market is, but I am worried that they're going to play super slow. Yep, I'm, I'm with, I, I want to be higher on him. I want to be higher on Sam Darnold, who showed something down the stretch last year. I want to be higher on Robbie Anderson, who I think is, is a really, really good receiver. Um, the problem is, like, they're going from, even last year, they ran the seventh fewest plays last year and the year before. They were the ninth slowest paced offense last year and the year before. And like you said, now they're bringing in Gase and his and his OC friend, Darrell Loggins, who, whether they've been together or apart throughout their careers, they've been super slow. Um, you know, maybe it worked for Gase in Miami. Like, you know, they, they, you know, ran a few, they ran a few plays and, and they kind of relied on their defense and they snuck into the playoffs and we got a map more playoff game. Hope that was worth it. But, um, <laughs> I, I think with the Jets, it's like, maybe if the D improves enough that they don't have to protect it and stand down progressive quickly, they might be able to run a little bit quicker, uh, pace, but, at least to start, I think they're going to play slow. And that's kind of a issue because they added Jamison Crowder. You know, they, they have a few more mouths to feed in the offense. And if, if you know, they, they still run slow plays, they still run a slow offense with a few plays. It's just on a volume basis, I think it's going to leave a lot of disappointed fantasy owners, especially for a guy like Crowder, um, who is a volume dependent receiver anyway. Like, I, I really can't understand um, drafting him right now. Yeah. Uh, is it possible, like, one thing that we did when I was in high school, uh, you know, on the basketball team, we played extremely slow because we knew we were less talented than most of the other teams. And what you try to do is you try to lower the amount of possessions that each team has and therefore increase variance. Is it possible that Gase's talent in Miami was so bad? He was like, well, we're going to play really slow here and 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 we're going to try to increase the variance um, because the more times that you run plays uh, against when you're the inferior opponent, the more likely you are. Uh, to get exposed in the long run, is it possible that he sees a talent upgrade now on the Jets and he's like, well, we can go back to playing normal pace now? I, I, I think that's exactly what he was doing. Um, and, and you can see when he had talent in Denver, um, they ran faster offense. I mean, how much of that was Peyton Manning? I'm sure that was a lot of it. But um, I think he's going to have to see that he has this talent before he actually goes ahead and starts lifting the pace. Like mm-hmm. He talked a good game when he was in Miami. He was talking about Ryan Tannehill running no huddle for – he was blue in the face every single offseason, and they still came in and, and they ran slow. So I think he's going to have to see it. So at least for September or at least for the first couple of weeks, I don't expect them to come out of the gates firing. Uh, all right, let's talk about another AFC East team, the Patriots, because uh, it's hard, I think, to use historical data on the Patriots because they are constantly adjusting to the talent on their team. Uh, I think based on their personnel decisions, based on the way they played in the playoffs, uh, they seem like they're going to be one of the most run-heavy teams in the league. However, that hasn't meshed with what they've done in the past. That hasn't meshed 
uh, with how fast they've played previously, how many plays they've got off previously under Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. How do you see the Patriots playing it this year? I think the Patriots are kind of in a kind of a category of their own. Like I think they're just such a good offense, such a well-coached offense that they're going to just run a lot of plays because they just have the ball a lot and they're just a good, they're going to convert a lot of third downs and they're a good offense. So, I mean, like they've had their, their situation neutral snap pace over the last five years has been first, second, sixth, second, and second. And their place per game have been second, fourth, seventh, thirteenth, and fifth. So they're they're just always up there. And last year mm-hmm. they were they were in the second most plays, even as they were raising their run percentage um over over most of most years in the past. So I, I think it's I think it's just a situation where they're just a good offense. They're gonna run a lot of good plays, a lot of plays, and you know, you just want a piece of that every year. Right. Yeah. I know you're a big Patriots guy. Where <laughs> where do you come down on this on this Sony Michelle, Damian Harris situation? Well, I've been taking Harris just because he's the cheapest. I mean, it's it's cliche at this point, you know, but you take the cheapest Patriots running back, and and you know, eventually he's gonna he's gonna it's gonna be his turn, and, and he's gonna pay off. Um, I, I I'm not invested in Michelle. He hasn't he hasn't come down enough in price yet. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move to the Colts. Um, this is an interesting one because they continue to stockpile really impressive talent. I loved what they did this off season. They got Devin Funches relatively cheap. They added Paris Campbell. They're getting. Jack Doyle back. They have Eric Ebron. They have T.Y. Hilton. They have Marlon Mack. They have Naheem Hines. I mean, they're continuing to be loaded. They've addressed the offensive line, I think, in a way that um, a lot of other teams could learn from. Uh, I feel like they can do whatever they want on offense. How do you see the Colts playing it? I think when games are close, they're going to come out firing just like they did last year. Um, but I think we at least have to keep in the back of our minds that when they got a lead in the second half, they throttled down really, really severely. Um, they were second in situation neutral pace. They were third in plays because they didn't have a ton of leads last year until the second half of the season. Um, they had the second highest situation neutral pass rate last year, but the fourth lowest when they were up by more than one score. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I, I'm not saying that and they could be extra super efficient, um, and I'm sure they're going to be a good offense. You want to invest in them, but especially, like you said, they added a number of pieces. If that volume goes down, especially in the passing game, just a little bit, and you're spreading it amongst – few more pass catchers, there might be a little bit of disappointment and, and you might be playing whack-a-mole every week trying to figure out who's going to be the guy this week. So much of projecting the Colts was projecting how the game would go because, I mean, Marlon Mack was, you know, relatively cheap, you know, 5,500, 6K on DraftKings. But if the Colts, for whatever reason, got behind, I mean, he was going to be total, total dust. And I think it'll be the same way this year. I don't expect them to use Marlon Mack much in the pass game again. And I think uh, also with Andrew Luck, as you mentioned, uh, once they get a lead, uh, they throw it down a lot. So, you know, like playing lineups that don't uh, have both Luck and Marlon Mack in them um, make a lot of sense. And if you're playing more than one lineup, you could play lineups that have Marlon Mack and Colts defense and then also play different other lineups that have Andrew Luck, Hilton and Paris Campbell, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I think trying to figure out how Colts game will go is is really valuable. Um, all right. Last team we're going to hit on here is a guy and a team who I'm extremely excited about. Uh, it's the Houston Texans. I, I think Will Fuller is awesome. I think I played Kiki Kute like every time he was healthy last year. He was unbelievable. He'll always have a place in my heart uh, for that. Obviously, they have DeAndre Hopkins, and it's kind of narrow there because they don't really throw to their tight end a lot. They don't throw to the backs a ton. So uh, I love this Texans offense. Deshaun Watson, another year moved from the ACL. Uh, will the Texans play fast or slow, Pat? I think they're going to play pretty fast again. Um, you know, O'Brien comes from that Patriots scheme. I mean, he, he plays 
fairly up-tempo, even though that they've been a pretty high-rate uh, run team um, over the last several years. Last year, they were eighth highest in run rate. They are mid-pack in 07, the year before they were up there again in run rate. But, you know, their, their situation-neutral pace over the last five years is ninth, eighth, 16th, third, and eighth. So, and, and they've been running a lot of plays over the years, seventh, twelfth, first, fifth, eighth. So it's just a team that even though they run a lot, and their defense probably does help them because they've been pretty pretty much a quality defense to get the ball back. Um, like you said, it fits with, with that narrow pass distribution. They're going to run a bunch of plays. And I heard you didn't mention Lamar Miller. I know he's like the least sexy guy in all fantasy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like those unsexy dudes. And I, mm-hmm. I think that he's also a good uh, draft guy. Yeah, you're on team no sex. Team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I think there's a lot of people out there that are uh, banging the drum for Deshaun Watson over Patrick Mahomes as fantasy's number one quarterback. I, I kind of do buy into that. And I think once we hear about the Tyree Kill suspension, a lot more people uh, will be buying into that. Uh, where do you come down on Watson versus Mahomes? I think they're they're neck and neck. I mean, I, I've been saying QB1 for Watson, you know, this, this offseason as well. Um yeah, you need to. I want to see Will Fuller out there first of all, because obviously everyone's seen splits with and without mm-hmm. Fuller, and they're pretty ridiculous. And uh, and Kiki Cutie is. I mean, he ran a lot of those low A dot routes last year, but he's got downfield chops as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So and and obviously lots of you that that had that running floors um, on top of things. So yeah, I mean, I'm 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 all aboard that. Um, especially now that he's a, more than a year removed from his ACL. The offensive line can't be worse. I mean, it's not, right. but it can't be worse. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think he's right up there, you know, with, with luck and, and ahead of Rogers. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what our guy Brandon says about the Texas offensive line, because may, even a slight improvement would be, uh, a good thing year over year. All right. Uh, Pat, tell the people exactly what they'll be finding weekly, uh, with your article on Establish the Run. What kind of things will they see in the article that they can use uh, on Sundays? Well, a lot of stuff that we talked about tonight are going to be like the main drivers of what, what we, we talk about. I mean, we're just going to keep an eye on things on, on a weekly basis, you know, shifts in, in pass rate, shifts in, in snap snap uh, pace. And you just look at matchups for the upcoming week. And, and ideally, we're going to get, you know, two high-paced teams that are, that are going to have a close game and a back-and-forth affair. I mean, you know, I, ideally, I'd have hair, too. But, <laughs> but, but that's, what that, that's going to be the goal, anyway, is finding those games. But we're going to try to warn you off of the games that are going to be those you know, slow tractor pulls and, and uh, just kind of just give you an idea of, of you know, where you want to start your research you know, around midweek. And, uh, and then you can dig down to all your player-specific stuff after that. Yeah, the way I like to use Pat's column is uh, figuring out spots where teams that are seemingly – high pace that like to play at a high pace but may not be able to because of their opponent that week and that's kind of where you find an edge like everybody knows that i don't know the patriots or whoever want to play fast but maybe they're playing a team uh who won't allow them to run as many plays as they normally run and then once you start doing a projection well um then it starts to be a problem because uh, you don't have enough plays um you know and i honestly i was probably too high on the bengals uh, a bunch of times over the last couple of years, they were running like 40 and 45 and 50 plays in game. And I was just tilting my face off and I should have adjusted. But but man, uh, that's the kind of stuff that I think I need to to work on for sure. Bengals. All right. Uh, Pat, tell the people where they can find you also. Sure. It's at Pat underscore Thorman on Twitter. And you're going to be able to find my stuff that established the run this year. And uh, yeah, come come find me. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the official establish the run podcast for pat for producer luke for jerry i don't know where she is i am adam good luck everybody Mm -hmm.